Hey, what's up? We made it. All right, we did it. We did it. We're here. Welcome to uh, Ask the OBR, uh, episode two, I guess, right? You get pulled away. If you get a family, you get pulled away, even when there's a countdown timer. So, Yeah, I, you were you were ahead of the countdown timer. You did, you did a great job of coming back. Oh, man, just in time. What's happening, everybody? <laughs> this is going to be... I think this is going to be the vibe for the Thursday show. There's just, you know, there's too, it's too many days in the week for one of these not to be a little bit loose and, you know, yeah, un, we have no choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's the end of the week. You know, it's, I mean, it's basically the weekend, right? Basically the weekend. Although you're saying the show's unscripted. I mean, this is the most script I've ever seen for a show, Andrew. Don't hide the fact that you prepared for it. <laughs> well, it's supposed to look unscripted, you know, but then behind ah. the scenes is, you know, tireless gotcha. effort. Uh, yeah, um, I, I, let me just run through uh, what's on the OBR quick, uh, because we had a great day on the OBR today. So much good content. Uh, of course, we started off with the Newswire this morning, Barry McBride, perhaps you've heard of him. And then uh, Anthony Reinhardt had a great piece on uh, the special team snaps from last year and who's going to pick up the slack, because a lot of those special teamers are not on the team anymore. Uh, and then Fred Greetham with uh, the Minicamp Day 3 report. Uh, big day today in uh, well in Cleveland today they were on the on the lakefront and then a great uh, VIP article from John Stephenson on the uh, Nickelback uh, not the band but the positions role in the Browns defense uh, and then uh, Jake wrote up a, a the training camp schedule that came out and so that's your that's your day five great articles all uh, ready for your reading pleasure anytime that you uh, get the itch so stop on at the OBR and and, and take a look. How are you tonight, Jake? Great, man. Just recorded a separate pod starting a preview of the year for these uh, each position group. So that was enthralling, starting with quarterback. We're going to answer a lot of questions about quarterback here. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm thinking let's start with Baker uh, because, you know, I, I think that's to me, that feels like it's been the kind of the biggest story of the week. Um, just just I think you know, people are really wanting to know what's going to happen there. I, I put in here uh, the question that you actually answered on your podcast. Was that uh, yesterday's episode? I think. Uh, Maybe about... I don't know. I've had some power outages. I don't even know what. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. You don't know what day it is. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, <laughs> and that reminds me. I, I did want to ask you when your power was out. What was the one thing, non-essential thing? So not like the air conditioning or anything. But what was the one non-essential thing that you missed the most that you were surprised by? A fan. I I, yeah. I I don't think it's essential, but I have to sleep with a fan every night. So no fan. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, I tried to so like when the power goes out in a congested neighborhood, right? Nobody's cell phone is gonna work because they all rush to the nearest tower. Mm-hmm. So nothing would download. I was trying to get a, a a fan app on my phone to download so everybody could sleep. We're fortunate enough to be uh, in a home that has a cool basement. So that part was lucky, but, oh, helps, um, yeah. yeah, it does help. So we were able to sleep down there with relative comfort, but yeah, man, like just, I can't sleep with silence. So yep. Yep. that is a non-essential that I, uh, was reminded I need to just have that app downloaded just in case weird things yeah. like your power goes out for a couple of days. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. That white noise is I'm, I'm in the same boat. Like there's, there's gotta be something if it's just, whatever small noise happens in the house that I, I, I never fall asleep. Never. No, yeah. I can't, I can't, I got to have a loud fan, relatively loud fan to, mm-hmm. to, to hold tough. 
Yep. It's actually, it's funny too, because like you want like a, a fan that doesn't work as well, right? Like a, a good quiet fan. It's like, well, this isn't really helping me. It's moving air, but I don't need that. Yeah. No, 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 no. Exactly right. Box fans are best. Right. But you can find some nicer fans on a box fan too, because it's not very pretty uh, for room decoration. Right. Yeah. It's got a, it's got a real uh, <laughs> single man's apartment vibe. Yeah. Yes, yes it does. Yeah. Okay, so I was going to jump right into it's Jimbo from ATI had the question of uh, of what uh, we think a trade would look like between the Panthers and the Browns, and I I think this is the one that you covered on your on your podcast, and yeah, he was looking to see if we could get the Wentz deal, and I think your opinion is that that's pretty much out the window at this point, right? Yeah, I don't I don't think that's going to happen because there were let me put it this way, Wentz is now a cautionary tale, so that I think is a real thing, and. Um, with the win situation, the contract structure was different. The uncertainty coming off an injury wasn't there. He still had, Hey, this is the guy that almost won MVP the year. The Eagles won the super bowl. Mm-hmm. And there's some of that. I can fix some stuff. He also doesn't care, carry a ton of the public negative stigma that Mayfield does for some of the surrounding, you know, just, just uh leadership stuff that gets thrown out there. So, I don't think that trade is going to happen. What I think is going to happen, if it does, is the Browns eating anywhere between eight to thirteen million, and how large the portion is that they eat is the type of capital that they would get back. That could be a player, and I know we'll talk about that question in a minute. That could be a player or a pick, but the higher the Browns are willing to eat the salary, the uh, the to me the better the return will be at that point. Right. So they're essentially buying a better draft pick. Yes, I think that yeah. it's very similar to the what is it the Osweiler deal where they gave up essentially right. twenty million to go get a second round pick. I don't think it gets to twenty million. Uh, sorry, right. I don't think it gets to a second round pick. But I think you could see something in a a third, fourth round is something feasible if Carolina feels like they continue to watch their quarterbacks perform and think they can really get an upgrade for Mayfield. Yeah, I thought that was the interesting thing about this week is that 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 whole comment about leverage kind of came out of nowhere. And it it made me think that they're sitting there in Charlotte or wherever their training camp is and and looking at these quarterbacks and saying, our job is depending on Sam Darnold and Matt Corral to be good this season, you know. And and so all of a sudden, Baker Mayfield starts to look pretty good, you know. Yeah, he does. And I I don't know how valid I feel about – uh, the reporting of CBS that the that the Panthers are trying to have a little bit of urgency to get Mayfield in, it could be it could be valid. I don't know. I don't know why they would feel. Hey, man, we really need him here for these three days. I, I just kind of like okay, you know, mini camp isn't that important. The Browns spent one day in bucket hats and t-shirts at Canton. Like you know, it's right. some teams even cancel days of mini camp just to keep their guys out of the heat or whatever other strenuous situations float out there. So, um. You know, I'm not I'm not overly concerned about that. I think it's more getting him in before training camp, so that pressure becomes a little higher mm-hmm. as we creep into the middle of July. And I do think there's still some waiting on the Watson outcome from everybody. Sure. Not that they tie in together all too much, but I do think that there's something to that element, in my opinion, that the eh, Browns are kind of trying to wait everything out, and it feels like, they're definitely knowing, hey, we don't owe this guy a single penny until week one. That uh, that they're not just they're just not going to be pressured, so they're going to really let other teams like Carolina in this scenario show us how badly they want this to be done. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think yeah, people keep expecting that they're going to make the move out of some sort of 
discomfort with having Baker on the roster, but that obviously isn't happening. Uh, no, so I don't you, think so. Yeah, you kind of alluded to it. Uh, 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 Chops on Twitter, uh, one of the great uh, Browns personalities on Twitter, had a poll today or yesterday maybe, uh, would you rather have Robbie Anderson or a fourth-round pick for Baker? So curious on your thoughts on that. Well, Robbie Anderson's definitely a player that has shown he's he's far superior to a fourth-round pick. The The issue is you got a guy who's talking about retiring. you got a guy here who is at times unmotivated, has some issues with hanging on to the football. He would fill a niche for them. I think that's pretty fair that he would fill a niche, but I don't know that I would rather have him given his contract because you want to yeah. keep some of that rollover money too. And you have to remember the Browns are still trying to recreate draft picks that they lost. I'm just saying I don't think Robbie recreates your issues in the wide receiver room in terms of like solving those things. So I'm not, I could see them going either way based on how they view and watch their guy. They've watched these guys. Now I just would rather have the pick than, than what seems like what's going on with Robbie Anderson, which is, you know, if, if you haven't seen his Sir Per video, you need to go watch that. Cause that's some of the funniest organic sideline <laughs> conversation I've ever seen. He seems like a funny guy, but yeah, I, I just don't see some hyper-motivated guy who's like, all right, I'm in Cleveland now. I'm going to turn it on again. I think he got yeah. paid, and it feels like football is just a more annoying thing. His answers the other day yeah. to the Mayfield questions were very standoffish. So I, I would lean toward the pick, personally. Yeah. Well, I think it's one of those things where you, you have to remember how the, the front office likes to handle these picks, too. I mean, a fourth-rounder could turn into, you know, a fourth-rounder and a fifth-rounder. You know, I mean, they, they'll trade these again. So, uh, you know an asset turns into more assets and uh, Robbie Anderson is going to just, you know, he's going to take cap space and then walk out the door probably next year looking at that contract. So. Yep. No doubt about that. Okay. Um, we have some uh, questions from the comments, a great uh, conversation going on in chat. Paul Spencer at the top. Uh, he's asking, he's basically says he doesn't get all the talk about a Baker for Darnold swap, which I think we both agree with. Right. Say that last part again. I didn't hear uh, that. A Baker for Darnold swap. If we would get, I could see Darnold why back. people. I could see why people want to do that, but they've already signed Jacoby, and I think they've accepted the basement ceiling of what Jacoby is, or they wouldn't have signed him. They just wouldn't have signed him because, you know, I, I they're not going to overwrite that situation with a, a guy like Darnold, who you have to bring back in. They're trying to ease some of that cap off of that Mayfield situation, not not recreate it. So. It's really hard for me to see that come into fruition. Yeah. Yeah, and on the cap point, I mean, they have a lot of space, but if they don't roll a lot of this over, they're going to have a significant cap problem next year. So you kind of yeah. have to count on them to roll a lot of this forward to next season, even though they do have some space. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, how much money is a third-round pick worth? I think the Osweiler trade was a $16 million contract for a second-rounder. So Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. I mean, a third it, is it, worth it, 10 to 12 I mean, they're, I would they're getting say more valuable as the years go by, right? Pushing toward 10, 11 to 13 is like yeah. the top end of my 8 to 13 range would probably be where it needs to be. That's yeah. that's just a, a pure hunch. They could even – that could be the sticking point. Hey, we'll eat 13, but you got to give us something serious back here. So that could be a large sticking point for yeah. sure. Okay. Other questions from ATI on Baker. Uh, do you think, I guess talking about the salary cap, if they are able to move him and get a significant portion of his contract picked up, do you think that they would turn around and spend that money at a defensive tackle or wide receiver or maybe somewhere else? I don't think they're going to spend much more money, Andrew. I really don't. I, I think they're going to, they are really looking at 
as the cap goes up, taking the rollover and using that to pay the void years that they're using. And I don't, I don't see some splash signing still out there that they make. I largely feel like there could be a Wyatt Teller type of trade where they feel like they have a hole and they really like a guy who's a fringe player and they swap a future seven or something like that for them. But I don't feel like there's a huge like, hey, let's save money here. To, nah, they're, they think they have a roster good enough to win a Super Bowl. So they want to run it with this group, see if they can get improvements up front, and then go from there. I, I really do think that that's where they're trying to go with this one is let's run it. Let's see what our guys can do here, the guys that we have, the guys that we like. Um, and there's some unproven to some spots, but they they just know that they're trying to balance the now and later here, but also understand that they think they're good enough to still get a Super Bowl out of this group for sure. Yeah, I mean, it feels to me like it could be a – there, there could be like a Malcolm Smith type signing where it's a one year, you know, one to two million dollar. Yeah, right they get into camp. camp. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, they just, get into it and they just don't like it's not quite as good as what they thought it was going to be. Something like right, that. Right. Uh, but yeah, nothing splashy for sure. Uh, so okay. So then, more of a hypothetical question from Tiffin Dog eighty eight in Ask the Insiders: If Baker gets surgery and shuts it down for twenty twenty one after, I guess either the Houston game or probably more likely the Cardinals game, uh, who is the Browns quarterback this season? Was he already um, out the door, in other words? I think he was. I, I don't – let me put it this way. I don't – it was 50-50. I think they were pursuing they, – they were notably in on Kirk Cousins, discussions around him. I think they would have been in on Matt Ryan. But it's a matter of if they could have pulled it off or not. I, I think that that's a big part of it. Could they have pulled it off? I think my gut says Mayfield was done, but – they they really could have been in a rough spot with him to the point that they felt like they had to uh, keep him another year and let him run it back. And you could easily justify it too, based on injury situations and stuff. So I think that I think that they were probably done. But the scenarios around getting a guy are not it's not Madden, right? It's not fake. You gotta. There's a lot of things that, as we know now a lot of things that go into going out and getting a guy that are not, that are not very easy. So um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. I just don't think it was as easy as some people think, but I do think they wanted to be done with them, but it is definitely a reality that they could have wanted to be done with him. Also knowing that, Hey, we have no choice, but to bring him back another year. Right. Yeah. They, they, one thing's for sure. They definitely weren't going to get rid of him without knowing they had another quarterback in the door, which Fact. you know t- tells you that they weren't, all the way out, right? Uh, yeah. At least one foot still in the in the hokey pokey or whatever. Um, okay, so going back to uh, Twitch chat, we've got Kevin Cycle eighteen. Will the union getting involved in the Watson situation impact the length of the suspension? So, I think that's based. This is, on- this is interesting. Go ahead, I'll let you preface it, but this is something I yeah. was just talking about for for my other show. Yeah, I mean, I think the 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 context there for folks that maybe aren't as 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 clued in is there's a Mike Florio piece talking about how the players association is going to object to any lengthy suspension suspension because, you know, there are multiple owners that have recently, uh, you know, gone afoul of sort of personal conduct policy type violations and they haven't faced the sort of discipline that uh, like a, a, a year plus suspension would be for Watson. So, you know, I think the other thing that, that I mentioned uh, today in Slack is Rusty Harden said on that podcast he did a while ago that uh, you know, the, personal conduct policy, the new process hasn't been used once yet. So 
there's some uncertainty between the NFL and the NFLPA about how it even works and who holds the appeals process and how ultimately that would all get hashed out. And so I think, especially considering how high profile this case is, there's an above average chance that the, there's going to be some sort of conflict between the NFL and the NFLPA on this. Yeah, the owner's stuff is what's interesting and in how they're laying it out that these guys are held to a higher standard. Nothing happened to Kraft. Nothing in the Kraft situation directly relates. Nothing happened to, uh, you know, Dan Snyder. And it, the NFLPA feels ready. It looks like it. They're ready to argue it and they're ready to take it to court. And the surfacing of that stuff in court could yield some ugly documents. So I don't know, man, this, this uh, one day I wake up and this is what I didn't want on June 16th is to feel this, this situation hasn't swayed one way or the other. One day I wake up, I feel like he's done for 12 to 15 to, to the year. The yep. next day it's, Hey, there's a possibility that there's no suspension here. I, I don't know. It's all over the map. Um, I don't have a great feel for it. People who do act like they have a great feel for it don't have a great feel for it. So, yep. yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on it. It's it's just it's extremely strange right now. Yeah, and I think that's I mean the last thing you said is the most important takeaway for Browns fans is that we are off the map here with this stuff. Uh, it hasn't been tried yet. I think the NFL probably would prefer that it had been some you know special teamer on uh, you know the Jaguars or something that they could have rolled through this with the first time just to kind of get their feet under them. But it's going to be one of the most high profile players in the league in the middle of a very controversial legal situation. And then his discipline is going to be adjudicated by a third party arbitrator and then possibly also the commissioner. And I, yeah, I think it, the, the potential for it to get messy for both sides indicates like that there's, everybody's got something at stake, I think is the way to say it. And so acting as if we know, now what's going to happen at the end of this i think would be we would be lying for sure yeah there's there's no doubt i i just wish there was some more clarity at this this point but as we sit here and discuss it it moves all the time you got a defense attorney trying to get a guy to settle you got Mm -hmm. that's clear there's deshaun's side still has really not come out yet we saw a little glimpse into it with his some of the ways rusty harden was asking questions of the detective but like Mm -hmm. It's just, it's all still way up in the air. Now, what, March, April, May, June, we're three months removed from the trade. Yep. I, this NFL decision is going to be one of the more fascinating NFL decisions in a long time. It's It's got a lot of, it's got a lot of like uh, outcomes in the future tied yeah. to it, put it that way. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, you start to think through those options and it starts to feel like potentially it, it might not be resolved by the beginning of the season. There's scenarios in which it drags out and, I mean, talk about a nightmare scenario for the Browns if there's and know. Watson and Watson because yeah, oh, there's a sure. lot of yes. stuff yeah. tied to him mentally here, right? Yes, a lot of stuff sure. tied to him mentally. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that there's some finality you'd like. The question is, can there be NFL finality without civil court finality? Right. That's the interesting yeah. thing. So, yeah, it never it never stops being complicated. Um, so I'm looking through these these Watson questions. Um, so, I, yeah, we, I mean, we kind of touched on what we think the suspension might look like. Um, and I, I think you're 100% right. One day it seems like it's going to be the season. And then the next day it seems like they can't give him a lot because the NFLPA might take him to court. And so let's right. let's talk about Watson, the player. Um, what impact do you think Watson will have on the run game? And uh, Nick Chubb specifically, but the, yeah, the Browns running game generally. More too high. So if there's more too high, that means less defenders in the box. Uh, that means more gaps that can be either cut back. It can either be uh, if there's less bodies in the interior. You know, there's a three course scenario and outside zone called bang, bend or bounce. You know that those cut lanes become more 
uh, obvious. They, there's a less questioning them. The counter power stuff, more bodies at the play side point of attack. That helps. Anytime a defense doesn't have enough defenders to cover every gap, that's when you know you have something. You have a good scheme. You have a good concept. And if you have to play two safeties because you're worried about the quarterback consistently beating you, that's where the run game stuff opens up. Less hats in the box. And we've seen we've seen the stats from from uh, Nick Chubb, how he's able to handle that, how he's able to handle crowded boxes. Imagine him living in you know, 11 personnel more often, more open space to work with. It starts to become like, oh, okay, I see I see exactly a path to this guy going for 15-plus hundred yards in a season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's the, the dream scenario, right, is that the, the Browns are able to run the, game, run the ball because they've got the quarterback that gives them the space to run the ball. Yeah, it's just defenses have to honor more. You know, we've talked about it for years that it felt like the Browns were operating in the red zone everywhere on the field. So you get safeties and corners who are less worried about either guys beating them deep or guys being able to beat them down the field by virtue of, uh, you know, running or creativity, right? Where the quarterback creates, gets out of the pocket, scrambles, and then you have to defend longer. So Mm -hmm. I think there's a little bit of that to it, right? Where like, it's not just beat initially somebody running by me, but, oh, I have to stay back because Watson could get out of the pocket, and if I'm cheating forward, mm-hmm. then guys who are shallow turning up field and scramble drill or vice versa, I'm not in position. So it's just extra thought. Anytime you can make defenders think more instead of playing reactionary, you have a better chance at finding success as an offense. Yeah, I, and then following off of that, this is just a question of, from from me, uh, which I guess I'm allowed to ask the OBR too. Um, do you how what do you think the run pass balance looks like as a result? Well, this week we did the the Mike Clay predictions, and and I just thought they were a little all over the board, especially mm-hmm. considering the run game stuff was like 1,800 total yards, and last year they went for like 2,480, mm-hmm. and they were beat up last year, and they could still be beat up this year, but like that's the threshold for me is. Those there's three talented now four with Jerome Ford. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, the run pass balance. It's hard to really put a to put a finger on that. To me, like fifty five forty five run game would be really good. But you also have a really good quarterback here, and if he's in the rhythm, you hope he's in this year. There are going to be games where you need to take advantage of it. I mean, they could have a true fifty fifty split here, mm-hmm. which would be fine because in this modern era, right where passing is king. I think you could, in reality, still justify running the football a ton because you're really good at it, but also because like your run game is being aided by your quarterback. So, and you're playing to protect leads. I don't think people talk about that enough. Like play callers have an idea what they want to do, but then game situation dictates what your balance is the rest of the way. So, um, I don't think they can go wrong with either side, to be honest. Everybody probably wants them to run it about 100% of the time. I always get that. But, you know, this league is predicated rules, concepts, skill of athletes to throw it. It's just where it is. And you're going to be tempted to throw it a lot. But now you have if, – if he doesn't, you know, deal with a lengthy suspension, you have a you have a real opportunity to have a guy who's pretty good throwing it too. So – it's a good question. I don't know, man. We're just going to have to kind of yeah. see what it looks like when they put the product on the field because right. um, what I do know is that no matter what, folks will, unless they go like 15-1 or 16-1, <laughs> we'll find a way to complain. But 
yeah like yeah. they 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 have to they they'll, they'll find balance and whatever you know if they're i don't i don't see them if they're all out there this year playing from behind a ton so that probably means you shade toward running but right. make sure and i'm sure they're trying to do this is not necessarily volume of pass game but like efficiency numbers is what mm-hmm. they're most worried about in both mm-hmm. phases right so yeah creating the explosives they've talked about that a lot this offseason yes uh, okay, so on the topic of the running back room, uh, Brian Kay in Ask the Insiders asked about the uh, crowded running back room. We talked about this a little bit last week with Dearness Johnson signing that contract, Kareem Hunt still around, Jerome Ford. You know, it seems like from this week that Demetri Felton maybe is a wide receiver after all, uh, but it's still a full room. Um, so I, as I said, we, we kind of talked about, you know, one of those guys could be traded and in training camp if somebody else gets hurt and, you know, it wouldn't be that bad as we just talked about for them to have a deep pool of running backs to to choose from if they're going to be you know protecting leads late in the game so but the question i uh, had that kind of comes off of this is what would you want to uh, receive for kareem hunt or dearness johnson in like say somebody gets hurt week three of preseason and a team is desperate what's the what's the asking price for those two players uh, i would say kareem you would you would range it from a second to third rounder and then and dearness could say i could take a fourth or a fifth for him um mm-hmm. um sorry i think flip that kareem yeah no kareem second and third year and it's yeah. like a fourth or fifth i yeah. think they have two ranges there so mm-hmm. um th- those are kind of where and if teams are a little more desperate i think that's where you could see like kareem is hey we want your second and we'll accept your third or hey we want your third for dearness but we'll take your fourth right like that's kind of right. the, the threshold to me mm-hmm. maybe could be talked down to a fifth for Dearness because the Browns really should be, and I'm sure they're going to be. And I, I largely think that the reason, a large part of why they kept Dearness around is they're trying to create situations that can recreate draft picks traded yeah. away. So this is one means uh, that they can do it for sure. Right. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So yeah, if they could pick up a, say theoretically they could pick up a fourth for Baker, 
uh, get most of that salary off the books and then get a fifth for Dearness. That's in value wise, you're talking now about a third, maybe a late second, which gets you, you know, back in the conversation in the draft if you needed to move up for a player. That they 100%. Really yeah. Yep. Agreed. Um, okay. Question from uh, Twitch chat here. Uh, why does Mike Florio seem to have an agenda against the Browns? <laughs> I don't know, Andrew. And quite frankly, I don't really care. Like, yeah, I, 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 I guess people are like, uh, I think that he was, uh, he could have, I don't know, was he a Steelers fan back in the day? I don't know. Yeah. He is just an opinionated goofball. And, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, he's been around the league for a while. He's found success. He he has a, a site that makes money for him and he does stuff. I mean, like, you know, right on. Good for him. I, yep. I just, there's some stuff out there when the Ben Roethlisberger case was happening that, that mm-hmm. he said, and I'm just, just ignore people, man. If yep. like Florio just seems like he's all over the map trying to, yeah. trying to pick and choose where he wants to be a, this, this certain type of personality. And I just couldn't, I couldn't care less about that guy. So yeah. that's my advice to you. Yeah. Let's make that official policy of the ask the OBR show. Uh, ignore the haters, ignore the trolls. Ignore as best you can. It's not yep. easy, but, but yep. you know, Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Florida I'm, I'm on board with that. Guy. I don't think we need to spend. Yeah, I, I just saw it and it made me laugh. I fumble thirteen made a great point too. He always wants to be the smartest guy in the room. That's, that's the personality he seems to have. Is the guy that uh, gets you in the corner at a party and you just wish. So you wish. often the takes are just so yeah. wrong. Like, how yeah. can you consistently yeah. be wrong? I guess you just don't care. You get to a point where, I don't yeah. really care what I say anymore. And there's some of that that goes on in 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 Cleveland yeah. too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Well, it's a it's a cautionary tale for those of us who are in the talking head. I mean, I'm literally a talking head right now. Uh, you know, watch out. Don't just fall in love with the sound of your own voice. Uh, Franklin Hoseman 80 asked, uh, knowing what the Saints gave up for Jarvis, is that a very surprising non-signing for Barry? No, I think they were ready to move on. I think mm-hmm. both sides were. They knew who Jarvis was. They want to give some guys they think are similar a shot. They wanted to get a little younger there. There's probably a desire to move on from every angle of the Baker situation and the tie-in to right or wrong from Odell's perspective and all of that. I just think that sometimes, hey man, we're better apart. I just think mm-hmm. that they, I think they thought that they wanted a fresh start for everybody involved, and mm-hmm. I just don't think they. I, I it could be as simple as I don't think they liked the player anymore. I don't think mm-hmm. they liked how you know the injury issues. He's getting older. He is not explosive. He's dropped a lot of footballs recently. Like, I don't think it needs to be any trickier than that. I think they think yep. they could find better players. Yeah. And I, I, I just, I, I am sympathetic to both sides of that argument because you know the 2018 season when when he and Mayfield had that connection, and uh, the Browns were winning games. I still think that might be the most fun I've had watching the Browns. I mean, the playoff season was great, but. There's something about finally breaking out, you know, in that way. Even the Jets game, you know, the that seam ball he hit to him. I, those memories are still with me, you know. So it's there's sentiment there that doesn't exactly equate to like who he is as a player anymore. So I get it, you know. He's he's a hell of a guy. He is. I wish him nothing, but there's a lot of guys that have come through lately who I really wish nothing but the best. Like I hope Jarvis has a great return. Mm-hmm. Uh, down there, and you know, Tyre Matthew too. Both those guys yeah. kind of going home. They're great stories. I hope it works yeah. out really well for him. Yeah. What do you think of the Saints' black helmet today? I liked it. I don't know. I need to see it in application. Yeah, it I way. think it's going to be one of those that when the lights are on it, it's going to pop. You know. 
Yeah, maybe. It's got an any given Sunday sort of vibe to me right now from like <laughs> football era bygone, but I'm interested. Yep. I'm yeah. interested. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for, you know, my general philosophy on this is I'm all for these NFL teams trying new things with their, their uniforms. I, sometimes they're bad and they're funny, and that's fine too. Uh, but well, we've been I, in that. We've seen exactly. the bad and funny, yeah. right? You know? Yeah, yeah. but uh, still no regrets, man. Like it's, you know, it, it, the, the idea that these guys have to wear the same uniform for 60 years or whatever, I don't, I'm not with that, you know, like. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and I, uh, this is a person who I really enjoy the old uh, uniforms and the aesthetic, but it's just not, you know, it's not valid anymore. It just doesn't work. So. I'm with it. We'll see. Yep. Let's. Uh, there seems like there's going to be a trickling out of more. I think the Falcons put out a red helmet that they're going to mm-hmm. go back to. Yeah. Um, more of these are going to come out. I would be curious if the Browns ever uh, endeavor into a different colored helmet. Would it be white? I think what it would, would have the to be helmet. Right. Yeah. yeah, I don't know white what else it would be. Stripe? Yeah, I don't. I don't. It would. It would have to be. I don't. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I. I. I don't. I'm not trying to say I hate the Saints. I love the Saints gold helmet. Yeah. They used to wear the black helmets in the late 60s, so it could look better. I don't know. I just need to see yeah. it. I didn't I didn't see it today and love it. What did you think of the Eagles change in font? Yeah, I I mean <laughs> I weird. I feel those. like that is such yeah. a great logo yeah. before. Yeah. I uh I I the my my two cents on that is that there's the sort of like late 1990s early 2000s school of graphic design that I think that Eagles logo is from. And it's it's like the Patriots' new logo that's now their old logo. Yeah, those as far as I'm concerned, all of those can go. Like where, where everything's kind of swoosh and swish, you know, like everything looks like it's in motion. Uh, yeah, I'm. I mean, the the Panthers logo is one of those. I'm good with all of those taking a hike, man. I, I like stuff that's like little, either a little more retro, like the old uh, Jets helmets, you know, or yeah. or more kind of clean and modern. I think the Eagles kind of cleaned it up a little bit. But uh, did you <laughs> did you see that Andrew Hawkins tweet? Uh, where he he quoted somebody that that uh, made fun of Will Compton for making fun of the Eagles thing. This is we're talking about Twitter on on Twitch. It's not going to work, but uh, <laughs> I'll send it to you anyway. Yeah, um, I'll have to check it out. The, the, yeah. the, another team that I think would be really good to go back to their '90s look would be the Cardinals. I mm. hate the Cardinals look, and it's been the same forever. Yeah. I wonder if they'll ever tweak it. We're out in the weeds. Let's keep going. Any more questions? No, I, I like it actually. I was I'm thinking maybe next week we just do all uniforms. I'm good with that. Um, I love uniform talk. Yeah, I mean, me too. We can maybe yeah, we could just we'll need slides for that. I think though for it to work really well. Um, I'm looking oh. through Twitch chat here. Uh, yeah, so we answered the question about Hunt uh, Franklin Hoseman. Eighty says Stalingrad is a great book. He's right. He's right about that. Hunt is valuable as a third down back. That's true um i'm let's see here i'm sorry i'm reading chat out loud uh bell seems like to be a potential upgrade over jarvis and i like jarvis and then uh dak 13 says uh he seems to be a hoover when it comes to catching the ball but how does he look getting separation and running routes we don't really know that answer right he had a nice little clip today i posted that uh, cleveland.com i think put out that i that i retweeted yeah we won't we will know we will know i mean we know his college tape he seems like he's fine uh, getting in and out of cuts. I think he can create initial separation in those plays. And he he does catch the football pretty pretty dang well. So yeah. I, I, I need, again, to just sort of it's just kind of slow down expectations for him, though. I've, yeah. I have not seen a player taken at the end of the third round and then another player in the fourth round with more hype than David Bell and Perrion Winfrey. Like, mm-hmm. let's just... Let's just slow down. I think yep. the, the goal for Bell would to be a meaningful contributor in the 400-yard to 500-yard range would be a great outcome. 
uh, but he's not going to be a rookie of the year. He's not going to go crazy, but he can be a nice player for them in the mold of a version in his young career of Jarvis Landry or Richard Higgins. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can do a lot of those things. So I do think that they will find him useful in what should be a, a more efficient passing game uh, if Watson plays a lot of games. So uh, I, I like him. I think he's going to do well. I'll give a more detailed report if I can make it up to training camp one day because that's where mm-hmm. we'll know more. But, again, that's right around the time my wife delivers, so I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to go to any training camp stuff this year. But, anyway, um, that's where we'll have a better idea. Preseason games would be the best. I mean, yeah. you know, that's when we, we know. Yeah. We get a better yeah. feel for at that point. Yep. Well, and I think if he hits in preseason, then talk about hype. The hype train, it's going to really take off at that point. If he's if he's getting open reliably against, uh, you know, fourth-string cornerbacks, people are going to get real excited, so. Oh, it's it's already yeah, it's already launched into the stratosphere, yep. man, for sure. Yep. Uh, okay, uh, going back to a question from Ask the Insiders, WW uh, wants quick updates on two fringe players. We talked about James Hudson a little bit last week. Uh, I remember you saying you're fairly high on him going into his second year, and then the other. I, one I don't know. I don't know that, and I'm not trying to correct you here no, that's at fine. all. Yep. I'm not. I I think he's a serviceable NFL player. Right. I think he yeah. proved to me last year by the end of the year that he can be a guy that can play a little bit. I don't know if he's ever going to be good, but he can be serviceable. I think you can you can feel good about the depth. You don't want to have to play him a ton right now. Right. Could he be more in the future? Yeah, but I thought the growth from the start of his rookie year to the end of it was stellar. So I don't I don't know that I don't know that I have much expectation for him this year, but I do think uh, you can play him and not feel like it's like putting Blake Hans out there, right? So mm-hmm. um, I, th- I think by the end of the year, I felt better about it. We'll see what the tape looks like for him this year. But I'm not saying, hey, start that guy, right? right. Like, right. Uh, but but definitely is a uh, scenario where uh, I feel better about him at the end of the year than I did when the year started, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's there's a segment of the fan base that wants to write him off because he struggled in his rookie season you know, as a fourth round tackle who'd barely played tackle. So yeah, agreed. We can push her back against that. Um, and I don't really have much on drew Forbes. I, he was what he was. I all of last year. Is that right? Yeah. He had a season ending injury. And I think he's had another he was, season with a season ending injury. And well, he was, like, he was he's a COVID opt out in 20, right? So he's, it's two yeah. straight years. He hasn't been on the field at all. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's tough to tell what an so, outcome would be for that guy. I have yeah. no idea. Yeah. And I'm not altogether all too high on him anyway. So, right. You know, we'll see. But I, 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 he's not. I guess if he could be back on the practice squad is about the best outcome for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think I mentioned this thought on on Monday's show at one point. But some of these guys at the bottom of the roster that uh, you know have been with the team for a few years, we tend to think of them as valuable because they've been with the team for a while, and then maybe they're just looking for their chance to break out. But it also could be that they're just holding a spot and and they're about to be replaced by you know, maybe one of these UDFA uh, linemen it impresses in preseason. Ben Petrula could come out of nowhere, or, you know. Yep. Uh, I mean, we we drafted Dawson Deaton. So there's there's a lot of numbers, and I think it's it's kind of put up or shut up time for a few of these guys that are uh, at the back end of the offensive line that have been there for a few years. So that's, Yeah, that's well said. There are some guys that, uh, you know, Forbes is leading the bunch there. And even Hanson Dunn, who are getting a little mm-hmm. older now. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's competition about cheaper contracts and, all of that too. So yeah, those those guys who I like plenty, like uh, like Michael, you know, Dunn is 
is uh, I always wanted to call him Adam Dunn back in the day, the big oh, slugging left-handed yeah. batter mm-hmm. who was the yep. who was ahead of the stri- the three true outcomes yep. of baseball before his time. Like he uh, was a fun player to watch, like Russell Brannion or Richie yep. Sexton. See, that's mm-hmm. why people show up. Old yeah. baseball references, okay. but uh, yeah, my, Michael Dunn, who I think is a good football player, he could be on the fringe of of making the roster too because they they've got just got a lot of depth. They've just got a lot yep. of players, so yep. we'll see. Yeah, and you, you'd like to think that maybe any of those players could potentially bring an asset back, but I just don't know if they have quite that much juice to them. They might just be guys that end up on somebody else's practice squad, and that's just the way of the world, you know. Yep, it's uh, you, just ca- you hope to catch them at the right time and all of that stuff. But right. but for now, I mean, I'm just not worried about the Browns' offensive line. I mean, yeah. discussions around Drew Forbes, like, yeah, he's probably going to be somewhere else this year. <laughs> so, you know, that's yeah, no, I, I yes, I think the the standards are very high because of the how many good offensive lines we've had in the past. But the expectations should also be high for this year. Then I think they'll they'll fulfill them. I mean. Yeah, it's it's very I do, look, you know, with with the, the change in quarterback, I think one of the underrated areas is what he's going to look like behind a top. What what do we think? Top five offensive line in the league versus he's always been below average offensive lines in the past. Yeah. So. Yeah. If his um, if his. I should say Jack Conklin can come back and be right. Yeah, it should be a really good group. I think Jed is poised to have a really good year. Uh, I think he's if he's healthy and he's locked in and he knows it's make or break, I, I expect him to have a really good year. So you mix that with two guards we think are pretty good, and I think Nick Harris is going to be solid. Mm-hmm. He's going to have some growing pains, but he should be solid. I think it should be a really good O-line. Top, top five should be the goal mm-hmm. for those guys. Top ten should be the demand. Right. That's a good way of putting it, yeah. Um, and I, I'm maybe a little bit uh, – I, I like Jack Conklin, but there's a part of me that also would be – I wouldn't be uh, terrified if Chris Hubbard has to play a little bit at the beginning of the season. I think he's an adequate uh, fill-in. Yeah, I would say that's fair. I would yeah. say I would say that's fair. Um, you know, Hubbard and you got two tackles I like in Hubbard and Hudson that I think can do it. You, you're kind of fighting over the interior with Pochich and Deaton mm-hmm. and you know Dunn and Hans. So yeah, that that's a lot of names. So somebody you're accustomed yeah. to seeing here or a guy they signed. Uh, right. is not going to make it so that right. that's where i've been like a little worried about deaton it's like you got to show up and play really well really mm-hmm. really well from the rip here mm-hmm. uh so speaking about the team as a, as a whole franklin hoseman 80 in uh, chat uh just asking about areas of concern outside of the watson suspension uh and i will just mention that uh and he, and he says the team seems so stacked but no national love and uh, I, I'll, I'll mention that Deontay Lee, uh, who writes for The Athletic now, had a, a piece, and he mentioned the Browns today about five boomer bust defenses. Uh, and uh, his 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 article, his, it was like a blurb on them, and his takeaway was basically they're a really good defense except they can't stop the run, which I feel like is true to a certain extent, but I also feel like that's the way they've built it, right? Yeah, they want you to run for the yeah. most part. You know, if you have uh, Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow or – you know, Lamar, they want you to run. They want you to run. So, yeah. listen, there are concerns. I, I get it. They got to stay healthy at linebacker. They need the safeties to be better. They need cornerbacks uh, to stay healthy. The defensive tackles have to prove they're worth more than being considered the worst in the league. It, it is very fair to call them a boomer bust defense. I think that is that is quite accurate because 
if John Johnson plays to the level we think he can play, if Grant Delpit plays to the now second year off of his recovery, who's looking sharp and by all accounts is playing pretty well, mm-hmm. if you know Greedy can stay healthy and continue to make strides off what he did last year, we know who Denzel is, we know who Greg Newsom is, we know uh, Martin Emerson and his limited opportunity as a rookie should have some decent role. AJ Green, a nice depth body. You know, if Jacob Phillips can stay healthy, we wrote about that two years ago. How how efficient he is moving around the football field, freak elbow injury, but he's got to stay healthy. JOK missed time with an ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Those two are heat missiles, though. If they're playing together and playing efficiently, good football players. And then, again, if your two ends are who you think they are, some of the depth guys can step up at edge, and then you get just something reasonable. A reminder that they didn't get much at all by the end of the year from the mm-hmm. defensive tackle group anyway. Yep. So if they can just get a little better than that, you're like, okay, I see it. The mm-hmm. talent is there manifesting said talent Mm -hmm. and kind of, I think that's what has stood out to me. Andrew is I think the Browns brought in a lot of pieces last year and thought the pieces would end up being greater than the sum, right? The pieces would overcome it, but Mm -hmm. they tore each other apart from the inside last year. Look at all of the team building that is going on this year. Bahamas trip, Miami trip, more stuff coming up from the players alone, the trip to Canton, all of these things these guys are doing right now feel so let's let's formulate a bond. Mm. Let's formulate what it takes to feel like a team and stop worrying about individuality and worry about formulating a team. I think to me that is really, really been an interesting focal point and can tell you all you need to know about what they thought was at the root of their demise last year. So to me... Boomer Bust is extremely fair about the Browns' defense. They're trying to formulate how do we collectively, both defensively and offensively, formulate a bond. And if they can find that, if they can find all of the things that come with that, it could be a really good team. It really could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the uh, comments that Anthony Walker made this week were, I mean, we've heard it a lot from a lot of different players, right? And most of them on the defensive side of the ball. But uh he said, uh, I'll be completely honest, when I was in Indy, I thought we had established that culture da- down there. When I came here, it was a little different, and I'm starting to feel what I felt in Indy when I was there, just the brotherhood that we had, all the guys coming together, the team camaraderie. And he, he said- It's everywhere. Team, yeah. The it's team everywhere. last year was a little standoffish, was the word yes. that he used, which- And he he's a leader. Yeah. You know, we know how yeah. the, the NFL feels about him collectively, wherever he's mm-hmm. been. So uh, when he speaks, I always listen, and I think yep. he was right about that. And I think that's why- they're doing so many things built around camaraderie this off season to build relationships. So, um, you know, that that's, uh, we'll see if it pays off, but I like that. I like the way they're going about that. Yeah. Credit to Ty Sox 15. He had this in chat a while ago. Uh, he said, it appears they're working on team chemistry rather than acquiring more talent, which I think is a, at this yeah. point in the off season, a good way to sum it up where they're at in the, in the cycle. Uh, okay, let's do uh, let's do a few a uh, little bit more out of left field questions. Um, Fumble thirteen and asked the insiders asked if we would like to see a USFL team in Canton next year. Um, sure. Will it, will it benefit the community? <laughs> right. If so, I'm all about it. I will never yeah. pay attention to it. But yes, yeah. that would be great. Yeah, it seems like nobody's it's a great going stadium. To... It's a beautiful yes. stadium. If you have yeah. not been there, and I said it yesterday on my pod. Mm-hmm. You should go. It is awesome. They've redone it, every part of that stadium, and it feels like a professional football stadium. It's awesome. I mean, looking forward, is it next year that Joe Thomas is eligible for the Hall of Fame? 
I believe he is, and he will be a first yeah. ballot guy. I think so, he's got enough surrounding NFL positive vibes yeah. to go along with the career and the in the. You always need something, you know. Yeah. Um. As like in his snap streak is like it's all there for him. I think it's yeah. going to work out. So, you know, if they're the team that gets to play in the Hall of Fame game, that would be a great chance for Browns fans to check out that stadium. Uh, it would be great. I, I didn't even think I, about that. They haven't played up. Have they played at the Hall of Fame game since they brought back in 99? I think it, that was the last time was that 99 game. Cause yeah, of, they're due. They haven't had anybody go in, right? So Yeah, they're due. I hope that yeah. works out. That's a great call, Andrew. It would be a sea of Browns fans down there next year, and I, I would be – I'd hope. Sure. Yeah. Hey, I mean, Christmas. Right? Yeah, it's I'd right hope. in the backyard. But it just I, – I mean, nobody deserves – the, the love that he gets from Cleveland as much as Joe Thomas, in my opinion. Uh, okay. Here's another one. Um, and these are, these are two that I just, I just wanted to talk about briefly. Kevin Clark, uh, the football writer for the ringer on Twitter today asked if they, uh, if they did a version of, uh, you know, they're doing that LIV golf tour tour that has stolen yes. away Phil Mickelson and these other guys. If they did a football league, who is the Phil Mickelson quarterback that would jump ship at the first opportunity for the big bag of money and go play in, uh, wherever they're playing. I would have said Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um, and felt pretty good about that. Like being a really good hall of fame type player. Right. Some call Phil the most skilled golfer to ever golf. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of the way I think Aaron Rodgers is the most skilled quarterback to ever quarterback. Not that he has the most uh, right. lauded career, Yep. but uh, yeah, I think the parallels there between Rodgers and, and yeah, yeah, Mayfield. I saw kind of goof. Some people talk about that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Baker would Baker would be like the. Uh, oh, he's going for sure. He's just not the big. I don't name. know what his golfer <laughs> comparison is. Like, uh, is he Bryson? Probably something like that. He's, yeah, he's, he'd be he gone. Cousins, the... cousins. Someone just said cousins. He'd be yeah. gone. Yeah, he wants to make yeah. as much as he can. Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah. I think Tom Brady. I wouldn't sleep on Brady. <laughs> Fascinating question. That is really fun. You know. Um, and then yeah, the, the, I the flip that. side of that is who is the Roy, Rory McElroy who makes a big stink of, out of I would never go. I would never be the guy. I would never take the money. It would have been Drew Brees. Yeah. Um, but now that Brees is gone, it's definitely Joe Burrow. 100% mm-hmm. Joe Burrow. Yep. yep. And uh, much yep. like I loved Rory's comments on that, mm-hmm. I would have loved Joe Burrow's because yeah. he's far and away my favorite non-Cleveland Brown football mm-hmm. player in I hate Boy. I hate every second about that scenario. Jake, that's a so. professional segue because my next question is how much draft capital would you give up uh to to get Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson out of the AFC North? So this was a question on Jeez. Robert Mays' mailbag show that I'm stealing. This what they asked it about getting Herbert and Mahomes out of the AFC West for the Broncos or no for the Raiders. Uh so so I repurposed it for our, our question. So the, the the scenario is we give up draft picks as the Browns and Burrow and Lamar play elsewhere and they are replaced by league average quarterbacks. Um well, I mean, like they traded three to get their own, probably would trade three to get them out, right? right. Like that's the yep. threshold. Mm-hmm. Um I would say I view Joe and Lamar on pretty similar terms. Mm-hmm. And I would probably say three first. If you told me, hey, you're done with your next two first round picks, uh, as we know, but you right. also then have to give up, what is it, 26? No, 25, 26, and 27. Mm-hmm. I 
I would say yes to that. Now that means can they pick other quarterbacks? I'm probably sure they could in that scenario. Right. But yeah, I would just like to get those guys out. I, I would yeah. love to. Yeah. So so we're I'm, in my mind, I'm imagining that they're both replaced by like Baker Mayfield level level players. Yeah, I, w- I would do that. I yeah. think I would do that. It just would be nice to not have to to deal with those guys. So yeah. Well, you, yeah. you it feels like you'd be guaranteed if if Watson's the quarterback. We've I mean we've got plenty of questions of our own about the quarterback, but if he is, and and the other three teams have <laughs> league average in two cases, and then Kenny Pickett in the in the third case, uh, you're guaranteeing a division title every year, I think, right? Yeah, it's a little if bit your like roster's decent, yeah. yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah, same thing. So I could see, I could see like a three first round threshold, yeah. same that would take for. Again, we have to remember the Watson thing is like the true, the first time we've seen a true free agency sweepstakes for a premier player mm-hmm. at a premier position. Mm-hmm. That does not happen in the NFL. Not right. like it was like the NFL's version of LeBron. And I'm not saying he is LeBron of this league. No. I'm just saying you don't see sweepstakes with mo- like when's the last time you could ever recall a guy saying, I will bring these five teams in to meet with. And I'll make right. my. It doesn't work that way. Right. So, it would be like, yeah, it it would be it would it would be a three first round threshold, and who knows, man, the way Lamar sounded about his contract situation mm-hmm. today, mm-hmm. and we know how the Bengals are definitely Mike Brown is definitely not, and maybe he's currently working on this. Yeah, he'd be smart to be currently working on this. Yeah. But as you guys know, if you guarantee money, that money has to be intact and put away. Like mm-hmm. it has to be there. And does he have the, the, the funds to do that for Burrow? And what does Burrow demand? And, like, the good thing yeah. is for Cincinnati is that Joe is in a place he loves. He's an Ohio right. guy. Right. He's close to home, at least relatively. And he's playing with Jamar, and he's playing with guys that he, he loves. If he was not in that scenario, I would start to get a little more nervous. But there is some st- – you know, but Joe seems to me like a guy who would just say, "Hey, man, we'll figure it out. We'll make this work, yep. and it doesn't need to be guaranteed. Just make yep. it so the writing in the contract basically makes it guaranteed. Right? You know, very easy incentives and things like that. So, yeah, this is a good show, man. This was fun. Yeah. A lot of good questions. I like. Yeah, that. Paul Spencer just uh, in chat just now. It needs to be called Brown's Oddities, and we just answer bizarre hypotheticals, which I I'm not opposed to, frankly, at least until the end of July. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think that's probably what we will be doing for the most yeah. part. Yes. I've, I've kind of tried to say, you know, semi-publicly, like if people want to come in here with non football questions too, I will, we will entertain them all. I'm, you know, whatever you want to talk about, we're pretty much wide open from here until what do you think? Probably like the week before training camp, we'll have to start getting serious again. We'll see about that. I don't know. <laughs> we'll get serious when, when the situation tells us we have. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I guess yeah. that's, yeah, it'll be an interesting, it's going to be, I mean, not to be a, a bring down or anything, but it's going to be interesting navigating this off season because you really, the next six weeks, you're usually just completely football free, but we can't be between the Mayfield situation and the Watson situation. No, we cannot just completely detach. And um, yeah. that kind of sucks, but hopefully, feel great. We, yeah. hopefully we get an answer soon. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's end it there. Thank you so much to everybody for joining us. Uh, we will be back next week at 8.30 for another edition of Ask the OBR. Thank you to everybody that asked a question. Thanks for all of you joining us in the chat. We had a great time tonight, and we will see you next week. Go Browns.